0: I want to say two quick things about this episode that I'm sharing with you with Elisa Pulliam. One, she goes by the name Lisa. So while you're listening to the interview, if you're wondering why I'm not calling her Elisa, that's the name she goes by online and in print. And in person, she goes by Lisa. The other thing I want to tell you is that This was such a fantastic conversation. I I will say it started off a little bit slow, so if you're not into the first three or four minutes where we chat a little bit about life coaching and and her journey, then stick with us because, man, this content is so, so good. She is just filled with wisdom, and I just love our conversation. And because I loved it so much, it went a little bit long, so I broke it down into two different sections— and so next week, we'll have the next, the second half of this conversation with Lisa Pulliam. And I highly encourage you to stay tuned for that because we had such a fantastic time talking. I know you'll be encouraged, and I know you'll love the wisdom that Lisa shares. So here we go. Hey, Lisa, how are you this morning?
1: Morning, Kat. I'm great. How are you?
0: I am doing very well. I have my coffee, which I actually don't really drink very much of anymore. It's, I actually just am dr- drinking it this morning so that I can be excited and energetic for the podcast. So hopefully it'll work.
1: Well, I I have my second cup sitting here next to me (laughs) because it was a late night and an early morning. And Uh, usually I I reserve my second cup for the afternoons. But on this gloomy day, I've decided second cup is happening this
0: morning. (laughs) You know, there's something just comfort. I don't even like the taste of coffee. Yet there's something (laughs) comforting about it. I don't know what it is. I've been trying not to drink it because it hasn't made me feel all that great, I don't think, in general. But Every now and then, it's a nice little thing, and I have it in a cute little podcasting mug that has a little image of my microphone, actually, that my friend Kelly got me. So I just feel ready for this, and I'm so excited about our topic today. For everybody listening, we are talking really kind of about a myriad of things, but I think that it comes down to our pursuit of being excellent as women, as mothers, as wives, whatever road that we're on, the journey of going from where we are to where we hope to be. And that sounds a little bit general, but we're going to be talking about some really specific things as we dive into it. Um, But Lisa, I want you to tell us a little bit about your journey. You are a life coach. Is that correct? Can you explain what that is and what that means and how you got there?
1: Absolutely. So yes, I am a life coach. It's one of the many hats I wear. And you can find what I'm doing as a life coach at one of my websites, elisapolium.com. And basically what a life coach is it's somebody who comes alongside another person and uses questions to help that person discover what is going on with their life and where they want to go. So the the purpose of coaching would be motion, moving forward, and it is really driven by the client and not by the coach. And so I love it because I like to help people move forward. Get unstuck, uh, discover what's next for themselves, and so it's. I count. I count it a privilege and an honor to be a life coach and to work with women in particular.
0: That sounds honestly. It sounds so fun to me. That sounds something very, very much up my alley. I'm curious. How did you? stumble onto life coaching and how do you like become a life coach? Do you go to college? Do you get a degree? Do you get a certificate? How does all that work?
1: Right. Well, there are college programs for it. Um, There weren't college programs as far as I know back when I was in school. Um, My process of becoming a life coach happened over a number of years. I was coached about 10 years ago in a professional setting. My employer offered the services of a life coach. And from that point forward, I was really intrigued by the process. I loved being able to sit down across from this woman and she was asking me specific uh, questions regarding my job and was somebody for me to brainstorm with because there was no one else in that role for me to brainstorm with about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to get better at it. And I thought, man, I would love to become a life coach someday. So fast forward 10 years and all my children were heading off to school the year of homeschooling my daughter was over. And I thought now's my chance. And I started looking into degrees um, for going back to school to get my master's in counseling because I've been a mentor for so long and worked with young people. And I felt like if I had a counseling background, maybe that would be helpful, or maybe I could do that as a practice. But really what I came uh, under the advice of my mother, uh, my husband, and a good friend who had a degree in counseling. And they all said, you are too sensitive to become a counselor and to carry the weight of everyone's wounds on your shoulders and come home at the end of the day and be able to care for your children. Uh, And I, I really, I listened to that carefully and I thought, that's true. Um, I am very, very sensitive, and I want to solve people's problems, and so that's a dangerous combination. Uh, And I had gone through my own experience with counseling, which is what made me a fan of it, is because I saw the impact of Christian counseling in my life personally, and so, of course, wanted to give that gift to as many people as I could find. Mm -hmm. So um, what ended up happening is I went back to this idea of coaching and started searching. There are a number of degree programs, um, certification programs that you can enroll in that can cost anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000 that can take you, you know, six months up to a year, uh, distance learning, online learning, you know, in real life learning, um, and none of those programs fit until I found one, and it's called Life Breakthrough Academy. That's who I received my training through. Uh, and it's a 10-week course that I now, I love it. I get to teach this course. I, I'm a, one of their certified trainers. Uh, it's a 10-week online course for less than $1,000. And at the end of that 10 weeks, you are certified to be a Christian, um, or practice as a Christian or as a non-Christian life breakthrough coach. Um, you, you have the choice of two different degrees, basically, or certifications, I should say, not degrees, either as a biblical life coach or just as a a general life breakthrough coach. And that's really depending upon who you want to work with. Are you going into the ministry? uh, Uh, area of of working with clients? Are you going to be more a business coach? So you get to choose through the training process. And as you launch your own business, who you really want to serve as a coach, the skill set is still the same, regardless of who you want to serve.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So that's how I went through their 10 week course, became a coach and honestly thought I was doing it to basically, um, support and, um, grow myself personally, but really for my ministry at more to be. Uh, I thought as a mentor and as a woman who's encouraging moms to engage with their teens, being a life coach would be a credential that maybe would make them happy. right um, and and what I didn't realize was that I was going to end up it was it was going to end up influencing my writing and my teaching and my speaking with the life coach training that I went through, but that it was going to also become a business. For me and above all, and Kat, I think this is the most important thing to say, what I learned through the 10 weeks of my life coach training was how to be a better mom Mm -hmm. um, because it taught me how to listen Mm -hmm. and surrender my children to the Lord rather than having to be the answers to all their problems. Mm
0: -hmm. That's, oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So good. Love that. Um. Yeah, I actually watched a movie recently, and, in which the father was a little bit controlling, and he, not not in a terrible way, but just in a insecure way, and he get, got to the point where he was apologizing to his daughter at the end, and he said, "You know what? I, I, it's not. I wasn't trying to be harsh or controlling. It's just that I wasn't trusting God, and I wasn't trusting you." And it was like, "Oh my goodness, that's yes. totally me as a mom, and I need. That's something that I still so need to." To work on, so I love that you just said that, and and it really comes down to those moments when we realize what our shortcomings are, what our issues are, what we want to work on. Um, that can be the transforming moment in our lives when we either choose to sit and maybe wallow in that, or we choose to say, "You know what? That's not who I was made to be. So I'm going to move forward." How do we? How do we get out of that pit of wow feeling like, okay, you know, you know what I mean? We can just get in that pit and feel like, oh, well, that's, I guess that's who I am.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had uh, so many of those moments where I've, I've felt that way. I mean, we've shared my story a little bit on the, the How They Blog podcast and um, the Inspired to Action podcast. So I'll just say this in brief that I come from a very dysfunctional Family. I love my mother and my father dearly, dearly, dearly. Do not misunderstand that when I say my family was dysfunctional. A lot of what I experienced as a child, as a teen, was generational sin that kept visiting our family. And so here I, I became this young, you know, Christian woman. I came to faith in college and I, I married a wonderful Christian man and we had children and my life was a mess internally. Um, and, and I wasn't the mom who I thought I was going to be struggled with anger. I've shared that before. Uh, My anger issues uh, were, were pretty significant and yet had this vow that I wasn't going to be an abusive mom, um, but didn't know what to do with my anger. And I remember there was one point, I think we, we find our, our true selves in the biggest pressure cookers we can, we find ourselves in the middle of. And so
0: Mm.
1: I was, it was about 10, maybe maybe more than 10, maybe more than 10 years ago, where I was uh, running a girl's dorm. I had 20 teenage girls. Uh, my husband uh, was teaching a brand new uh, AP chemistry course. Uh, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, we had just moved into the dorm for like the, this was like our fourth move in, in seven years. So we were under wow. a huge amount of stress and That first week, opening week of school, I was really overwhelmed. I felt like I was beyond my own abilities, and I was, and my anger had kicked in. And I remember sitting on the couch crying, 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 saying, Stephen, this is who I am. Like, I am an angry person. I can't do this. I am not capable. Like, this is how God made me. And so fine, everybody else is going to have to deal with it because I can't change, and he, I love my husband so much. He's just basically like, that's not an option, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just part of his personality is to say, you can't fall into defeat like that. Like not changing is not an option. And and he, he, st- he stood that line for me. And I really had no choice but to say, okay, well, if Stephen says that it's not an option for me to say, this is the way God made me, something has to change. What is it? And I knew he didn't have the answers for me, but I intuitively knew that God did. And I think that's where we need to get to of Mm -hmm. saying, having somebody maybe in our life to say to us, hey, this is not okay. You may feel like this is who you are, but that's not your identity in Christ. That's your life marked by sin, your sin, whatever sin's been committed against you, but that's not who you are. And, And so are you willing to do the hard work to figure out who you are, and to surrender your life to God, even the worst parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. That that's really, I think we have to arrive at a place of. I said this at the Raising Generations Day conference to the moms of teens that were in my workshop. I'm like, you have got to fight. Like, I don't care if you're not a fighter. It's great if you're not a fighter in general. It's great if you're not a fighter. But when it comes to your well being, your your mental and emotional health. You as a mom have got to fight for excellence in that because it's your children who you're impacting. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes as moms, we can get so caught up in all of the things that we have to do, all of the things on our plate. We can get caught up in our kids' lives and how they're doing that we become a lot less self-aware of how we are actually doing. And who we actually are and areas where we actually need to grow because we're just kind of on this hamster wheel of motherhood of getting the next thing done. And it's so important that we take the time to be by ourselves, even if that's frightening. I know to some people, they might not be introverts and they don't want to be by themselves because then they realize, you know, whatever shortcomings that they have. But it's so important for us to be self-aware and to um, really understand where we're at so that we can know where we're headed. And I know maybe to some people, I don't know, all this word self-aware and all this sounds kind of touchy-feely or whatever, but it's not. It's, if I can bring it back to an analogy that I love, um, when it comes to sports, <laughs> I love talking <laughs> about sports and I'm all about sports, um, there is n- there is not a single elite athlete in the world who does not have a coach. Uh, right. There isn't a single elite athlete who doesn't actually have an entire team of people helping them with every aspect of what they do so that they can become excellent. And in order to, you know, get those coaches, they need to know where they're at. They need to know what level they're at so that they can know where they need to grow. And it, it's motherhood sometimes feels like its own separate thing, but I often say it's really exactly the same as business or sports or politics or really any sphere of life. It's all just about um, relationships and it's about knowing who we are so we can know who we can become. So. In that process, maybe there are moms listening who don't know really where they are. How how can people become more self aware? Like I know there's personality tests and stuff like that. What are some resources that you would recommend to people to kind of get a grid for maybe where they're at right now?
1: That that's good. I, I like what you're going where you're going with that with the analogy of the the team and the the support network and the assessment. And I. I think, too, when you were saying that, Kat, I was thinking about how God describes the body of Christ and that we are meant to serve one another uh, and in our, our weaknesses, we need somebody else to come in and be our uh, the counterpart to us. So I think that one of the first places to start is with family and the second place is with friendships. So if you're a family, like your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife... Um, If they if they are dysfunctional, then that may not be the place that you can go for that support system. But if they are healthy or mostly healthy individuals, starting there and saying, Hey, I'm really struggling with this particular issue and I would like to improve on this. Can you help me? And getting an accountability for one thing. We don't Mm -hmm. need to fix the whole package. Yes. You know, one thing when you're training for, like you said, when you're training, say for a marathon, you might concentrate on one skill at a time Mm -hmm. to get to that place. You can't do the whole thing at once. Um, So I'd, I'd look there and I'd look at friendships and I'd redefine them rather than being people who you enjoy hanging out with or get to sit on the sidelines of your kids' soccer games with, to think about do you have one or two people in your life who when you really want to talk about the heart stuff, you can go to them. And and I, I have one friend that, that that's the definition of our relationship. We've known each other eight years. For the first three years, we had daily contact together, and we haven't since. But we are each other's phone call away. I am having a really bad attitude right now about this. Can you please put me in the right mindset?
0: Mm.
1: And she will quote scripture back to me, uh, and I will do the same for her, and we will pray for each other over the phone. And so to have that... Honest friendship, one or two of those honest friendships in your life, even if they can't be local, I think is a good support system to put in place like that team you described. Mm-hmm. you know, Those are those are two people you need on the team. Um, and then in terms of figuring out who you are and how God wired you, and I, I really spent a lot of time on this, uh, looking at personality types, learning styles, spiritual gifts, and at com. Under the, I think it's under the resources tab, uh, you can find a link to what I consider some of the best free assessments uh, where if you go through it, you can do it online and you'll, you'll get some feedback. And if you put those pieces together, you get a better sense of how you're made mm-hmm. uh, by God and why maybe you, you, for example, a choleric personality like my own, I'm going to be in conflict Like that is a side of my personality that is just true to form. Mm -hmm. But now that I know that I'm going to be in conflict, I measure out the times and the places in which I have certain conversations.
0: Mm, That's good. Yeah. That's wise. Yeah. setting those boundaries for yourself when you know yourself.
1: Yeah. So, and actually I have a new resource, uh, the Thrive Inventory. And in a few weeks from now, the Thrive Accountability Checklist will also be available. And these are free resources, and they're designed to help you pick an area that you want to focus in to improve. And so for one person, it may be you know fitness or weight loss or health. For another person, they may use that inventory for controlling their tongue and not exploding on their kids. And the idea is if you put it on paper and you set some goals in terms of time frame that you want to see progress... And if you simplify by focusing on one area rather than many, when you start to see success, it motivates you to continue to put in the effort.
0: Yes, so true. So true. Mm-hmm. I, I often say, you know, good habits beget good habits. Oh, that's great. Once you start something, I know that it, like I'm big on my mornings and getting up and spending time in the Word, praying for my kids, doing a little bit of exercise or and planning my day. And I know some people want to spend 30 45 minutes exercising first thing in the morning and that's not always going to happen for me but I'll do two pull-ups or I'll do <laughs> 10 squats but just those that small thing is such a motivator for the rest of the day cuz maybe I still feel those two pull-ups an hour later after I've taken my kids to school and it impacts how I eat what I eat for breakfast because Absolutely. I still feel those muscles and so all those little decisions and those little changes really just build a foundation for more great stuff to happen on top of it. It's, it's kind of like laundry. I don't know if it's like this in your house, but <laughs> if my kids ever miss the hamper, like they, I tell them to go put their clothes in the hamper and they miss the hamper and it lands on the floor, somehow yes. throughout the day that pile just grows and grows and grows because someone missed the hamper so that everyone feels like it's okay to miss the hamper. And right. so then there's just this pile of clothes on the bathroom floor. And it can be like that with our lives as well. If we just start these bad habits... Then we're like, oh, I'm already, I'm already doing that bad habit, and then we just add on to it. But the same is also true the other way around. If a room in my house is clean, then nobody's going to leave one dish in the middle of the table that's perfectly clean. Right. So I think that's that's true in our lives as well. I think that's that's really good.
1: I think that we, we, you know, progress is contagious. Mm-hmm. And so when we see when we see motion movement, it's it. it just energizes us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen that with my own anger issues being healed and 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 being replaced. That's a habit that is being replaced by a new habit. And when I see that new habit, then that encourages me to continue that new habit. I mean, I just had that situation this morning. My The, the school, I mentioned this to you earlier, Kat, the school called that my son was sick and I needed to go pick him up. And I'm thinking, no, not today. This doesn't work for me. And, and, you know, I ended up having to go pick him up and on the way out there, my anger was starting to boil because my life was being rearranged and I had no control. And for many moms, I think we all struggle with this. Something happens and our life is rearranged. And how are we going to respond? And I could, uh, I don't know if any other moms are listening, but you kind of rehearse that speech on your way of like, now you are not having any fun today because you are homesick (laughs) and this is the way it's going to go. And you, you don't want to be manipulated And so I, but as I was rehearsing that on the way out, I really felt the Holy Spirit quicken my heart and say, hey, wait a minute, grace and truth,
0: Mm -hmm. mercy,
1: like find out if he's really sick, respond appropriately. Mm -hmm. If he's not, respond appropriately. Even so, you know, there's an appropriate response. And I thought, God, you're going to have to help me because how I feel right now is not how those grace and truth words would come out. And sure enough, I saw God work cat, you know, I, I picked him up and I put an arm around him and got into the car and what's going on? Tell me what's happening. And he, he doesn't seem really sick and brought him home. And I said, okay, well, buddy, you're going to be in your room and there's no TV and, and I hope you feel better. And would you like a hug? And and he said, yes, and gave me a hug. And, and it was such grace because mm-hmm. my tongue was controlled by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that has come through practice.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, That has come through recognizing and owning the fact that I have a tendency towards being irritated and angry. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give that to my children. So God, take this and work it now. And, And it's so nice to sit here on this call with you and not feel guilty that I treated my boy badly this morning. Yes. But to be able to sit here and say, God worked. God worked in me. If he's going to work in me in that little situation, what other areas of, of my life, God, do you want to work in? Where else do I need to give you a piece to change? Um, and, and that's what I want to encourage moms with with you is that's the excellence pursuit, I think, of looking at where God is already working in us because we've yielded to him, and then saying, "Do more. do more, do more for
0: your glory." Mhm. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm gonna get a little scientific here for a Go second. Go for it. So, two things I wanted to mention when you're just talking about how things kind of tend to build on on one another. There's the first law of physics is the it's called there's the a principle called inertia. And so, basically, what that is is that an object in motion tends to stay in motion, and an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And so I just thought that that's a word that I always think of. It's not a very fun word to say. It's not a very pretty word or an inspiring word. But to me, I just love the principle of it. I know that if I get in motion or or like in your situation today, if you if you are at the point where you were able to say, OK, I recognize that that's not the response that I really want to have. So I'm going to be humble and say, God, help me. And he helped you. And you were able to have a right response. And then you were able to walk in grace the rest of the day because you didn't feel those regrets. And so that object in motion tended to stay in motion. And now you're encouraging other moms listening as well. And it just builds and builds and builds. Whereas an object at rest, man, it tends to stay at rest. (laughs) And if I'm grumpy with my kids, I tend to – and I just live in that. I tend to just stay there. And then the other sort of scientific ish word, I don't know if it's scientific, I guess it's psychological, but there are, uh, I learned recently that there are two kinds of stress. We we usually just hear about stress and think of it in one general term, but there is distress and there is eustress. And I'm realizing that in our lives, we are always going to have stress, and it is up to us to decide whether it's distress or eustress. And so, eustress is when you choose to do things that are difficult for your betterment. So if I choose to train for a marathon and run 26.2 miles, then that is you stress because I'm choosing to do it. Distress is running 26.2 miles from a bear that's chasing me. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and, and in your situation for this morning, one way or the other, you were going to encounter stress. And either that was going to be you feeling regret over the way that you'd interacted with your son or it ended up being because you chose the act of humbling yourself, asking God to help you Mm -hmm. and choosing to do the thing that maybe didn't feel like it came naturally. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning that really in every situation, one way or the other we're going to have stress, whether it comes now or it comes later. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a woman who chooses the you stress, who chooses to do the hard thing now. Because what you chose this morning is now inspiring thousands of moms around the world.
1: I hope so. Because I think we need that contagious revolution mm-hmm. of of inspiration. We need to know that not just that, you know, I made the right choice this morning, but by God's grace, I yielded and He worked through me. And that's mm-hmm. what is available to every mom. No mm-hmm. one needs to be like me, per se. Every every mom has the opportunity to say, in this moment, God, in this moment of my weakness, in this moment of my frustration, in my disappointment. And my my catchphrase lately has been overwhelmed. I, you know, I'm so overwhelmed. And my husband has said, "You say that a lot lately." I'm like, I think I am because there's so much information coming at me. It's so many decisions that I need to make that I I feel cloudy at times. And, and you know, we're all kind of in that. But to be able to say, God, work in me. Mm -hmm. Do what you need to do in me for the sake of blessing my children, for the sake of giving them love, and let me live in that grace in that moment without feeling guilty that I wasn't that way yesterday, without being afraid that I'm not going to be that way tomorrow, but just in that moment of saying, Thank you, God, your grace was sufficient. Uh, I, I, I just really. That's really where I'm at at this moment.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think that's just such. That is probably the key for us to realize that you know what I'm not okay because we spend so much of our lives trying to be okay, and we spend so much energy and time and money, and everyone, the world, we feel like the world around us tells us I need to look like I'm okay, I need to be okay, everything needs to be fine, and I can pull it together. But when we get to that point, when we're like, you know what? I cannot do this apart from the grace of God. God, I need you. I need your help. Right. And that's right. just the point that we need to get to, to get to that point of humility yeah. that uh, this is not something that I can do alone. I need the Holy Spirit. I need friends. I need somebody to teach me. I need to humble myself so I can learn because it's when we're teachable that we change and it's yes. when we're teachable that we learn. Yes. So to get to that point of teachability, I just think you're right. That's the that's the key. That is the epicenter of the revolution that could happen I think in our lives. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of The Inspired to Action podcast. It's going to be a God day, a God
1: day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit. With each breath that I take, it's feeling like a God day.